Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, May 1st, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. I thank you for joining me on today's show. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for your calls ahead of time. Now, you don't have to call, but if you do, you shape the show to your liking and, frankly, to your advantage. And Remember, our goal here on Invest Talk is to help you achieve your version of financial freedom. And we do that using a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, just like we do at KPP Financial. Now, today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you one step at a time incrementally get to whatever goals that you might have. Now, our anytime line is open right now, so I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. Now, in today's Invest Talk, my main talking point is prompted by the headline, PG&E executive sees a coming big shift in cloud service war among combatants like Amazon, Google, and Microsoft. Basically, what she's saying is there's going to be a slowdown in the growth of those services and uh, more of a battle now that everyone's looking, everyone's kind of deployed. Uh, the, the majority of companies, majority of people really have deployed cloud services in some way, shape, or form. And she's thinking there's going to be a consolidation phase uh, in many respects. So we're going to dig into what that means and what that potentially means for the big players as well as the small players in cloud as well. So that's what's on the top. Uh, uh, that's on the docket for us today to discuss. But I have some others as well. We obviously had the Fed meeting, so we're going to touch on what that Fed meeting meant to the markets, why the market sold off, and what that means going forward. Also, credit card losses are creeping up. What does that mean for? the economy and banks and uh, what we see for economic growth over the next 12, 18 months. And then lastly, should you do a traditional 401k or a Roth 401k? It's kind of the same question of traditional IRA versus Roth IRA. We're going to dig into those specifics a little bit more. So that's what is on the docket for me today. That's what I want to talk about. But ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. So give me a call. We have about 45, 50 minutes left in the show, but it goes by quick. So get your call in sooner rather than later. Now let's look at the market today. Pretty much across the board, most sectors were down. Most, uh, Pretty much every index was down. Consumer staples, REITs, buck the trend. Uh, the, the global mining, transportation, healthcare, uh, those sectors were, were down the most. Semiconductors, those were all down about 1% or more. 
Uh, and if you look at the major indexes, the worst performer was the small caps as well as the S&P. S&P was down a little over 1%. So clearly not a great reaction to the Fed announcement today. And I'm going to get to why that is a little bit later. So stay tuned for that. Now let's take a look at some market news today. Apple is the big market star today. And they came out with earnings yesterday after the bell. They bought they bought back about $300 billion of their own stock over the past three years. And the stock was up about 6% after hours on optimism about their services business. Services business and the fact that maybe iPhone sales deceleration or contraction has bottomed out. At least that's what the hope is. That's what the Apple is indicating. And so... The stock was up about, uh, what, 6% today or so? Let me take a quick look. Uh, yeah, about uh, about 5% at the end, by the end of the day. And it's now a trillion-dollar company again. At least it was for a brief moment uh, earlier in the day. And the big question is, should you buy it here? Uh, and I'll talk about that later. If Maybe if you give me a call. If you, if you want to know, if you should buy Apple here, call me, ask me. Next. Facebook, they are putting on a privacy face, right? They are saying that they believe the future is private. And Mark Zuckerberg, yesterday, gave a glimpse of some new features and changes in Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp that indicates that users will have more control uh, of their privacy, more control of their data, but I'm a little skeptical. I just see the history of Facebook. They tend to be all about gathering as much data as they possibly can and using that to monetize, right? Selling that to advertisers, and that's what's made them so, so big, and I don't see that recipe changing despite the public face, but that's just me. Lastly, Google took a beating yesterday, and it continued today down another few percent. And many think they are resetting. They're uh, changing strategy, uh, deploying AI, which uh, we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, Eric Schmidt, founder, is leaving the Google board after 18 years, but he'll still stay on as the shepherd of the company as a maybe adult voice in the room. And he's going to be a technical advisor, but you know he's retiring with $14 billion, or at least worth $14 billion. So uh, good for him, and he's certainly firmly achieved his own financial freedom. And your financial freedom might not be quite as robust as that, but hey, as long as you reach your goals, that's all that matters. And that's what we are here each and every weekday to do. Now, as you can tell, there's a lot of interesting market news today. So let's talk about it. But first, let's grab a question from our Anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Tom from New Hampshire. Just wanted to know what your thoughts were on United Health UNH. I had recently bought some, and it dropped down even more. I think it's around 216. Wanted to know your thoughts, if I should buy some more. Love your show. I'll listen to you on the podcast. Thank you. All right, this kind of goes back to maybe what I said last week. I know we got a call on this a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago now, uh, uh, from 
from a woman last time. I think she was talking about it with her investment club and they were looking to buy UNH. I, I think it was somewhere around the 260, 270 level. And what I said back then, and I think it continues, is that the insurance industry, the medical industry, is ripe for disruption both from an innovation standpoint because they are behind the times, especially when you look at cloud computing and the efficiencies that that's driving uh, in our world, but also from the government. You know, we spend a ton, Medicare, Medicaid, the rules around uh, the healthcare industry in the United States favors healthcare companies, insurance companies, etc. And you can argue that's good or bad, but that's just the way it is, right? And now what you've seen recently is the pushback of the industry from a pricing perspective, from pharmaceutical companies, as well as the push now for Medicare for all, which, once again, I'm not going to tell you whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just telling you the political realities in Washington today. And I think the, the, the train has already started, trying, already left the station on Medicare for all. And if a Democrat gets into the White House in a couple of years, that train will speed up very fast. And I think what you're seeing here now is the beginning of that pricing in of a potential change in our healthcare system. Whether that's good or bad, and you whether whether you like it or not, you have to understand the political realities when you're investing in these type of companies. So I do not like UNH. It has grown dramatically on the backs of Obamacare. And likely the next system that is set up is unlikely to be as favorable to the healthcare industry. So I do not like UNH here. I do not like it because I just think those political realities, those political wins are now, instead of being a tailwind to a lot of the companies in the industry like UNH, they're now a headwind and I only see those wins getting stronger. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm here today for Steve Peasley. He is up in San Jose, California, meeting with Invest Talk listeners who understand the value of receiving a no-cost portfolio review consultation. In these private meetings, Steve sits down, understands uh, the the listeners' goals, uh, current situation, and concerns, and helps move them along into an area where they're more likely to achieve their own version of financial freedom. So I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve anytime through investtalk.com or call our Irvine, California office and set up a meeting. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. It's a new month. Steve is up in San Jose meeting with listeners the market is humming, and Justin is here now to provide his unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. So step up with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Zach in Chicago. He wants to talk about bonds. Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. 
Uh, I've got a decent amount of money in my 401k and also some, um, just some stocks on the side. Uh, but I want to start to get more into bonds, um, just as a, you know, a long-term more safe play, something, uh, to, you know, help diversify my my portfolio a bit. And we're thinking about your best advice for the strategy that I have in mind. So I want to take around 5,000 and invest in, uh, you know, short, short term, uh, us treasuries. Uh, three-month treasuries, and then okay. just continue to reinvest those once they mature, and then continue to add a small portion every 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 three months or so into that position, just you know, long term as a as a side investment. I want your advice? Okay, well that that certainly would be a good conservative strategy. Uh, you're not going to have much interest rate risk there, um, but you're also not going to get much yield as well. So uh, you know, long term, that's going to be very low yielding. Uh, type of uh, way to de- to deploy your capital, but very safe. Um, and you're going to buy individual bonds, or are you thinking about buying uh, an ETF? Uh, individual bonds. To be honest, I don't know much about bonds. I'm just starting to, to think about this the last few days. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, I'm aware of the low yield, but it, it would just be a part of my portfolio. I would have other investments in more, you know, more uh, high yield, high risk uh, returns. Okay, so it's kind of like a barbell approach where you have the aggressive side and then this would be taking up a conservative portion of your portfolio. Yes, and and that would be somewhat liquid with them only being, you know, three three to six month bonds. Gotcha. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Buying bonds, individual bonds, uh, at only a $5,000 size might be a little difficult from a pricing perspective. Um, so, you know, they're not, you're not going to have a lot of interest rate. The biggest problem I have with bond funds is the fact that you're always going to have that interest rate risk there. Whereas individual bonds, which we do for, uh, clients, we, we do, uh, we create laddered, uh, bond strategy, but with individual bonds or sorry, with an ETF, you don't, and a short term bond ETF, you don't really have much interest rate risk. So I wouldn't mind using that as well. Something like SHY, something that's very, very short term. You don't have a lot of interest rate risk. You're getting consistent income. That might be a way of going about it as well uh, in a a low cost uh, and low risk fashion. Thanks for the call, Zach. This is Invest Talk, and we have just begun a new trading month. It is May. And the second quarter is moving along fast. And for Invest Talk listeners, I remind you that we are in this together. And I want to help you work towards your goal of financial freedom. So reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at KPP Financial. And now I'm taking your financial and investment questions live at 888 chart. Here's a reminder about the KPP Premium Newsletter, distributed to each subscriber's inbox every Friday. The newsletter provides a roundup summary of the week that was, offers a look ahead, and even puts forth some interesting stock ideas. And you can subscribe to the KPP Premium Newsletter anytime at investtalk.com. Have you got a question for Justin? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART.
888.99 chart, 888.992-4278. We have about 30 minutes left, but it's going to go by quick. Let's talk about our main talking point, and that is the cloud wars. You know, we've, we've kind of talked about the streaming wars for a little while now, that that's starting to pick up with uh, new entrance into streaming video from Disney and uh, Time Warner, HBO, and uh, a lot of other players that are trying to take Amazon, or sorry, Netflix market, market share. Well, what a executive, which is actually the chief information officer at Procter Gamble, she said, or he, sorry, he said that he thinks there's going to be a slowdown over the next five years in cloud computing deployment. Because if you look over the past five, seven years, I think that is the, in, in my career, it has been the most impactful development that I've seen from any industry on the entire economy. What I mean by that is data now in the cloud, access anywhere, and the ability to share and utilize that data in a billion different ways has really transformed the way almost any company can do business. And it also has allowed smaller companies to deploy products and uh, software that used to be only uh, only the largest companies used to have access to, right? Because they could spend millions, if not billions of dollars to develop sophisticated infrastructure, data analytics, etc. And in today's world, it's very easy. There's a lot of plug and play pieces of software that you can deploy for very minimal upstart, right? It's just a monthly payment of hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars, whatever it is, it's a lot less than it, it used to be because you just start paying a subscription service. And this has really driven revenues, profits. Well, a lot of companies are still not making profits, but at least revenue growth for some large players like Amazon and a Google and Microsoft, but also a lot of smaller players that are niche focused, right? So I know in our business over the past five years or so, we have deployed somewhere in the neighborhood of seven to eight different pieces of cloud-based software. And that ranges from a CRM to client uh, portal login, to uh, payment processing, to email, to data analytics, risk assessment, financial planning. It's all software that we just pay a monthly fee for. And this is something that is really the future, it's the present, but also the future. But what's interesting about this article is that this CTO is saying it is the future, but the future is also consolidation, meaning they want somebody or a company that can do it all, 
And that's really the issue that I know we see as, as a business and I'm sure much larger companies are seeing is that you start deploying all these different cloud services and it's hard for them to talk to each other. Now, some of them do and some of them integrate and those are great when it does. But what if you could have one company that can do it all and easily share all that information in, say, one platform? And you only pay one price for all of that. And the efficiencies you can squeeze out of that are immeasurable. So I thought it was a very interesting article to help understand where we are in the growth phase of cloud software. Maybe we're in the slowdown phase or slowing growth phase as opposed to the acceleration phase. You know, uh, I think Amazon had what had growth of Amazon Web Services was 73%. No, sorry, Microsoft was 73% in Q1. Amazon Web Services was 41% in Q1. But I thought the most interesting aspect of this article was that Google is the is, while they're not large in cloud compared to those two, their AI is much better. They're ahead of the game there. And if you can deploy AI in conjunction with cloud services, that can be a big, big winner. So that's why I really love Google long term, but I want to buy it at a good price. And I think we'll get there over the next year or so. Now, tomorrow on Invest Talk, the S&P 500 is demonstrating its best start in 32 years. But looking ahead, is it a reliable bet? One strategist says that even as stocks reach for new highs in the near term, the rally might not be on solid footing further out. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is InvestTalk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and InvestTalk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking with shared success. This is Invest Talk, and we're glad you're with us today for one hour of financial news and perspective. And your decision-making process can benefit from this practical and unbiased advice, especially if you consult with Steve or Justin. Step up now with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Brian and Campbell. Uh, great show. I wanted to ask you a question. I've got fresh money in the IRA and looking for something with a good dividend that's off cycle, given that the index and basically most popular stocks are at all-time highs. 
uh, nearing the top. There's a company called Westrock, W-R-K. Wanted to get your opinion on that. They pay a nice dividend. Seem to be in an off cycle because of all the China concerns. Be listening on KDOW. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, he's looking at West Rock Company. This has only been a public company for a few years, uh, IPO'd in 2015. And they manufacture corrugated and consumer packaging for the healthcare, personal care, food, beverage, and other industries. Revenue continues to go up over the past two years, uh, about 10% on average quarter or year over year, which is nice, but earnings have not kept pace. The last two quarters, earnings actually fell 4% last quarter, 5% the previous quarter before that. Now, it does yield about 4.8%, which is a nice solid dividend. Their cash payer ratio is 49%. Their, sorry, their payer ratio is 49%. Their cash dividend payer ratio is 32%. So they have plenty of cash and earnings to pay that dividend, which I like. Operating earnings yields very high, 15.6%. That's fantastic as well. Uh, free cash flow is negative the pre, uh, over the last quarter. That worries me uh, a little bit. Let me look at their cash from operations. What kind of cash flow are they bringing in uh, from operations? And that looks to be a near an all-time high. So it's very possible that a lot of this, this earnings, the earnings decrease, is something that is a non-cash item, which you know might be a write-down, uh, might be some sort of uh, capitalized expense or depreciation. Uh, because if you look at their EBITDA, their EBITDA also is at an all-time high. So I like that. I like that from a cash flow perspective. They're looking pretty solid. Uh, let me look at the chart real quick. Look at the chart. And if you're on the YouTube live stream, you'll be able to see what that looks like. Uh, and now tech, the, the MACD is starting to diverge. I like that. And the decline, because it's certainly in a downtrend, the decline has started to slow down, which I really, really like. You know, it's, it's high was about $71 a share. Now we're all the way down to $38 a share. I kind of like it. The MACD has already moved higher. The, 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 the faster line is above the slower line. That's a positive. I like it. I like this company at these levels because I like the cash flow picture and I'm liking the chart a little bit better. And yeah, once again, it can afford that dividend, which is extremely important and the dividend is reasonable. Let's go to Mike in Seattle. How you doing, Mike? Hi, Justin. I have a question regarding Slack deciding to go DPO instead of IPO. I was just wondering what your general opinions are on DPOs, because they don't have like the same restrictions as IPOs as far as the holders having to hold on to stock for a certain amount of time. I Frankly, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Can you give me a little more insight? Oh, uh, Slack, the, uh, like the team management company, kind of the one, like, yeah. are, you, are you familiar with Slack? Yeah, I'm familiar with Slack, uh, but you said they're going DPO. I've never heard of DPO. Oh, so like Spotify last year, they went direct public offering. They didn't. They chose. They opted out of using an investment company to actually start 
I see. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Initially. Yeah, I mean, typically, yeah. typically, I think that's a good thing, at least for the investors that are buying it, because uh, the investment banks they're good at hyping. They're good at because the investment banks are incentivized to get that valuation higher, right? Whereas. Uh, if you're going right. directly to the public and, and there's there's a little bit less uh, odds that it's going to be inflated. So uh, I, if I'm a purchaser of it, I like that it's going DPO because it un, it's unlikely they're going getting the full value of what they're they would get if they used an investment bank. Most likely. Now I don't know. I'm not intimately involved in how that works or what the price is. I don't know if it's high or low, but it, on the face. It makes me feel better if I'm buying the stock. Now, is that better for them long term, right? Slack long term. Well, that means they're probably not going to get as much uh, for the shares that they're selling. So, it depends on which side you're on. Okay. Does that make sense? I guess I'm on my side as the as the investor. And yeah, yeah. So, are I... you are you looking to buy it from from the company? As part of the DPO? Yeah, I mean, I think they're a very quality company. You know, they're one horse in a two horse race for as far as team management and communication go. Them and Microsoft Teams are yeah. pretty much the only major players in the entire technology space. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but once again, it, it comes down to the financials, the long term growth of the company, how much can they. Uh, What's their revenue per user? What's the growth of that? What's the in total install base and potential install base as well? So there's a lot that goes into that analysis. Um, certainly a good company, but there's a lot of good companies that have been overpriced, especially upon their IPO or in this case their DPO. So DPO. So it doesn't mean that necessarily they, you know, this is a great investment. But uh, if I'm the investor, I, I do like the fact that they are going DPO versus an IPO. Thanks for the call, Mike. Okay. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you're making the right choices with the money in your 401k. And candidly speaking, it's difficult to make consistently profitable choices based on fundamentals and trends year in and year out. And your investment options are likely complex. So that's where Steve and I can help at KP Financial. We have a math-based model to guide you, and we can monitor and advise based on your specific plan, your plan options, and your risk tolerance as well. It's called Active 401k. It gives you recommendations on a quarterly basis, and you can read more at investtalk.com. But for now, I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. Lows in December, and now at or near all-time highs since the start of 2019. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design. A deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs, KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 8899 chart, 8899242278. We have 15 minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, 
You need to do it now. Now today was Fed Day. The Fed announcement was as expected, no rate change. But as usual, that is indicated well in advance. The market prices that in based on the tea leaves that the Fed has given on previous meetings, right? And the economic outlook that we see going into it, right? So it's always very obvious what the Fed's going to do. What's not obvious is what the Fed is going to say, and that is key. And often it's very little changes that impact, have big impact on whether or not the market likes what the Fed is thinking and saying or not. And in this case, the market decided it did not like it. And what was it? Well, it was the talk about inflation. And there was a key word in there. There are two ways you can describe inflation, at least in, in Fed speak, and that is either persistent or transitory. Now, persistent means that this is something that's it's stuck and we need to do something about it, right? We need to take action in regards to it, whether that's up or down, but that's what that means. Now, if they use the word transitory, which they did about inflation here, it's basically saying that, you know, these there's some weird factors that go into a lower inflation number. So we're going to, you know, our target's 2%, and I know it's at about 1.6% for the first quarter, but we think there are some anomalies in this number, and therefore it is transitory and likely to come back to that 2% level longer term based on current monetary policy, so we're not going to do anything, okay? But before the meeting, Fed Funds Futures were pricing in a 25 basis point cut by December, basically saying, oh, the Fed's going to cut by the end of the year. Well, guess what? This indicated, uh -uh. the Fed is smack dab in the middle of raising or increasing rates. They have zero bias one way or the other. And that's what they're telling people. That's what they're telling the market. And the market didn't really like it. But that's what they've been saying for a while, and the market didn't really believe it. So it's pretty crazy to think that the Fed was tighten, tight, you know, was tightening rates in December in the midst of a huge market sell-off. The market started pricing in a pivot from raising again and went all the way to a point where they said, not only is the Fed pivoted dovishly to not raising rates again, but they're on the verge of cutting rates. And I just think that's a crazy way to look at what the Fed was going to do. I never, I don't think anybody who, there's no reason why the market would should price that in, but they did. And that is why the market sold off, because it's basically saying, uh, the market, the, the Fed's not here to save the market. The Fed is just here to stop the market from having a conniption fit. And therefore, they're just pausing. They're just pausing. And they're going to look at what happens through the balance of the year. Now, we've seen a deceleration in economic activity. And the Fed has indicated that as well that they see some slowing in economic activity. But does that mean that they're going to go and cut? No, I don't think so. And that's what they said today. So the market was pricing in a rate cut 
And Powell said, uh-uh, sorry, but we're not cutting rates. We're not raising rates, but we're likely not going to cut rates for the balance of the year. So this is why the market is sold off, and this is why I think you're going to see a lot of choppiness over the coming months and even years. Because guess what? You see a December, a fourth quarter, the Fed's going to pivot to you know, maybe cutting rates. But as long as that doesn't happen, the Fed's going to be sitting here at two, two and a quarter, two and a half on the Fed funds rate. Now, they also cut how much they pay on reserves, interest on uh, reserves held at the bank. And that actually held at the central bank by other banks. That's actually bad for banks because they have all these excess reserves sitting on the Fed balance sheet and the Fed pays them for that. Well, now they're going to pay a little bit less. And that's not good for banks either. So that's kind of what happened here on Fed Day. And that's why you saw sell-off in the market. The market didn't like it. Now, if we move quickly, we can fit in another caller question. This came in earlier at 888.99 chart. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Fred from Virginia. I uh, really enjoy your show. I listen to it probably every day. Uh, I have a question. I have a half position in VGHAX. It's a, um, it's a mutual fund I've had for about five years. And I'm thinking about um, switching to VHT. I bought the position in HVGHAX uh, for defensive reasons. Plus, I, I thought it had a potential for some great upside, but a little bit of diversity, a little bit of zigging when the market's zagging. It's been underperforming for five years based on its benchmark, and I'm thinking maybe it makes sense to make a change. I was calling to see if you think it makes sense to switch to VHT to stay in the healthcare sector, or if you had um, other ideas. Again, it's a half position look forward to a listening to your answer on the podcast. Thank you. So you're basically looking to transition from uh, the Vanguard Healthcare Mutual Fund to the Vanguard Healthcare ETF. And the ETF has a much lower expense ratio, 0.28 for the mutual fund, 0.10 for the expense ratio. I would imagine the holdings are pretty similar. But I'm going to go back to what I said earlier about UNH. I just don't like the sector as a whole. There's so much disruption needed to get it to a sustainable, to get the industry on a sustainable path. And when I say sustainable path, meaning not bankrupting the government, not bankrupting individuals who need, who want healthcare, want to pay for healthcare. Now, does that mean switching to? a more market-based approach, which Republicans would support? Maybe it does. Maybe it means moving to a Medicare for All approach like the Democrats would like. Maybe it does. Maybe that's the better solution. Maybe the other is the better solution. I'm not here to tell you which one it is. But what I'm telling you is the current situation is not sustainable. It's so obvious. So I don't want to be in these names that have built businesses worth billions of dollars with billions of dollars in cash flow from governments and individuals and, uh, and, and expect that to outperform long term when there's going to be disruption, most likely. So I would not own either. So this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here on Invest Talk each and every day, and that's help you achieve your version of financial freedom. Now, our work continues after this break. We're going into the last segment, so you got to call now at 888 99 Chart.
On the next Invest Talk, the S&P 500 is demonstrating its best start in 32 years. But looking ahead, is it a reliable bet? That story tomorrow. But now Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Nick in Hayward asking about Google. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thinking about buying it because it's come down lately, you know? What do you think? Oh, okay. Well, that, that's the only reason? That's the only reason. It's a well-known company. Everybody knows that. Maybe have a good future. True. No, I, I, I think so. That's true. Black, BlackBerry was a, a well-known company in 2005, <laughs> and it went to nothing. <laughs> Basically, you're right. You're right, but these guys are bigger, in my opinion. Oh, I'm know. not saying no, Google's going to be BlackBerry. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's not a reason to to buy any company just because it's well known. You really have to understand the the business uh, that you're buying. You have to understand the f- fundamentals, the valuation, uh, the growth growth trajectory, and the economic backdrop of the business uh, and, and the economy. So. Yeah. For me, Google is just still expensive. I still like really. I have it on my watch list. I would love to buy it. Now it's at eleven hundred and seventy-three dollars. This is G O G L. Uh, depends on which uh-huh. uh, which one you're you're looking at, which share class. But I would not own this until about nine eight fifty. Eight fifty. That's oh. when I would start thinking about it. I would love it below right around seven i would buy it hand over fist around 570 so those are kind of my you, levels on, you honestly, on google do you but honestly I think, think it's gonna go there uh yeah i think in the next recession i do i think there's so much money uh tied up in these very large mega cap names uh within the indexes uh you know everyone's just bought the fangs right the the, the fang trade and that's going to unwind, just like it did the Nifty 50 and all these fad investment, uh, the fad investment philosophies of the past. They all unwind. It's all pretty ugly. Now, does that mean every company within that investment fad is not a great investment long term? No. Uh, but usually, you can pick up the pieces of that investment fad at cheap prices, and long term, you'll do very, very well. So. I'm keeping Google on my watch list, but it still needs to go down a lot more, so I'm not buying it. Let's go to Will in San Diego looking at PFF, which is the Preferred Income Security ETF. Yes, uh, Justin. You there, Will? Thanks for taking my call. Um, I heard your comments earlier about market choppiness coming in the near future, and I'm wondering if preferred stocks are a place to be when the market gets choppy? Well, if the market's just choppy, then yeah, it should be all right. Um, and frankly, I think we're, we're in the chop. We've, you know, the market, if you look at broader indexes, that topped out in January of last year. So we're about 15, 16 months into this uh, market chop. So we're there, right? Um, now, I don't like preferreds as a whole. 
because I don't like the potential downside of preferred shares, right? Now, now they're safer than common stock and they pay more right. consistent, better dividends, but you also don't get the upside typically unless you're buying a convertible preferred, which I'm not sure how many are that within the PFF uh, ETF. I just don't like the asset class as a whole because like I said, you have a lot of downside of companies going under and very limited upside of companies doing well or the economy doing well. Uh, and they have extremely high duration risk because many preferreds don't really have an expiration date. And so there's a lot of volatility for various reasons. So that's why I don't really love preferred shares as a whole. Now, are there specific preferred share bets that are great? Absolutely, but they take a lot of research and really understanding of what you're buying, what company. There's a lot of different share classes of preferreds. So, you know, I, I just don't love them uh, as a whole because of those various reasons. So I would not be owning them. My favorite strategy right now, covered call strategy. Because there's not a lot of upside left in the market. Uh, you have some protection on the downside. Do it on some dividend-paying stocks. That's what we do for clients, Equity Income Plus. And that's what I would think is going to work. I do think is going to work in a choppy environment. Thanks for the call, Will. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Please come back tomorrow. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.